0: Hi everybody, this is Mikey D. Welcome to my stoop. There once was a small American town. And although it sat in the forgotten corner of a giant city, it was much like any other small community around America. Everyone knew everyone else's name and everyone's business. Instead of a stream or a brook, we had the fire hydrant. We didn't have farmer's markets, but we did have a well-stocked bodega. And rather than sitting on the front porch to watch the little world flow by... We sat on our stoops. It seems like an ancient time, like it was some lost city. It was like I had watched it all from the stoops of Atlantis. Spanning the globe to bring you the constant variety of sport. The thrill of victory. The agony of defeat. I never really considered myself a sports guy, and my friends were a sort of mixed bag about sports also. We were more into movies, science fiction, comic books, music, and girls. But since we weren't into sports, girls considered us geeks, so that endeavor became a moot point. At that age, sorry for being on pc but girls are being driven by the same primitive survival programming that guys are, which means they could be shallow as hell. And guys at that age are very sensitive, much more than given credit for. Anyway, as for sports, we played quite a bit of games with balls. You see, we enjoyed playing the games amongst our own ilk, meaning guys who knew nothing about professional sports. We played stoop ball, dodge ball, whiffle ball, touch football, street hockey, some soccer. The difference between my crew and the Pleasant Avenue guys, who were all these alpha males and lived, drank, and smoked professional sports, was that they knew all the stats. They followed all the teams. They were actually good at the sports they played, and they knew a lot about them. We, on the other hand, we didn't know Wayne Gretzky from Wayne Newton. We had more fun playing amongst our own non-judging friends and deluding ourselves that we were amongst the greats. That's the joy of having a great imagination. It was 1980, and I was a freshman at LaSalle Academy High School. There was a shift that happened. See, in grade school, I was one of the short kids. But then again, so was Chris S., my classmate. But he, he was a sports guy. So when it came time to pick teams for basketball or kickball or softball in the schoolyard, he was chosen among the first, while me... Howard, Gary, and John, the comic geeks, were last to go. This plants a thought in your head, you're no good at sports. So when we played softball and a pop fly headed my way, I dropped it. No, actually, I missed it. And I was better than that. I had played ball amongst my outside of school friends and could catch anything. But within that closed atmosphere that was bigoted against geeks, it manifests itself and drains abilities. And the teachers never did or said a thing about it. I wonder if they do today. That same year, the U.S. Olympic hockey team was having its way with the Russians. We were inspired and bought hockey sticks. When we passed that puck along the asphalt of 118th Street, we were Team USA. Did we know all the rules, all the pro players, and the history of the NHL, like Vinny, Chris, or John on the Avenue? Hell no. But we were gold medal winners in our heads. And on one day, I did win a personal medal of honor. We were playing one of our usual two-on-two games in the street. It was me, Joe, Scott, and Christopher. When my grammar school classmate, Chris S., a fanatical hockey fan, stepped up to watch. I can see he was itching to get into the game and show off his skills. Finally, he just asked if he could play. We said no. We have two on two. Okay, let me just show you a move. Mike, try to get the puck for me. Hesitantly, I agreed. So it was a one-on-one face-off. Me, the guy who didn't have a clue how many innings were in a regulation hockey game, and Mr. Super Puck. I stood, stick in hand, pretending Chris S. was a no-good commie pinko on roids. Okay, Chris shouted. Now, all you listeners have to visualize this in slow motion. Two cameras running. One on me, the other on Chris S. Hell, let's add another dolly shot following the puck in close-up. And what the hell, it's at a cutaway, with Joe, Scott, and Christopher watching. And action. Chris S's stick was sliding back and forth, skillfully keeping the blurring puck within its barrier. I was sliding my stick along the macadam as I rushed towards him. I can hear the crowds. USA! 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 My stick slipped into that blurry band of ghostly puck and it was slid back out, the puck was mine. Had I channeled the spirit of Mark Johnson? Had all that energy from Lake Placid vibrated down to East Harlem? I had the puck, and I expertly glided it forward and slapped it past the chalk line that acted as the goal. Cut to close-up of a stunned Chris S. Cutaway of my friend's cheering. Zoom in to a close-up of my smug face. Chris mumbled something like, "Yeah, good job, and he walked off. A little victory that day on 118th Street. <phone rings> High school showed me that I was actually a good athlete. I joined the track team as a freshman and fondly recalled the cross-country races in Van Cortland Park. There would be about 40 kids from various schools racing and the top 10 or so would get medals. No participation trophies in those days. They had to be earned. At points in the race, coaches would count your position. Nothing motivated me more than being counted off as 15 or 17 or something. The afterburners would kick in and kids would blur by me as I raced for my medal. And would you know it? I won a medal in every cross-country race I ran. I was never in the top five, but I was in the top group who were rewarded. I honestly can't see the point, nor the sense of victory I would feel if we were all handed a trophy for just being in the race. I then joined the field team, throwing shot put, javelin, and even trying my hand at pole vaulting, which is hard as hell. I did really good for a skinny shot putter, I won a few medals at meets, I got pats on the back from seniors who would add, this kid's good, do you know what that does to a kid's confidence? A freshman? The coach, Mr. Burns, took me aside one day and said, Mike, you're a damn good athlete, you just need to stick with it. So I tried to motivate myself with the, the memory of a legend was LaSalle named Elliot Egan, I don't know how to remember this stuff. He had graduated the year before I was a freshman, and he had a shot put record, and he was a short guy but a bull. I was trying to use him as my inspiration on the days I did with weights. My cousin Joe, who actually broke the LaSalle discus record that year, would encourage me by saying, you could be the next Elliot. But I confess, I was lazy. I hated getting in early for practice. I hated working out with weights after school, even though I was getting stronger. I just wanted to go home. By sophomore year, I was done with sports. sad, I guess, but I began writing for the school magazine and newspaper. More on that in future episodes. But back on the streets of East Harlem, I was enjoying softball, we would gather up as many guys and a couple girls as we could and have pickup games in Jefferson Park. One summer Sunday afternoon, while we were finishing up a game, a group of the Avenue guys came by to play. As they waited for the field and waiting for us to finish, they watched as we bobbled the ball around, and they made comments and jokes about our play. When we cleared the field, one of the guys shouted out, Hey, you guys think you're good, why don't you play against us? We all looked at each other, and then Joe and me nodded, but we had a qualifier. Okay, next Sunday, we shook hands. The challenge was set and would be met.'re a, a jet all the way from your first cigarette to your last dying day. When you're a jet I would have to guess the Avenue boys did not fire a single synapse about us or the upcoming game. I doubt they gave it a second thought, but for us, the geek squad, well, we were all about being in the best shape to show them we were no pushovers. We practiced catching, throwing, and hitting every day for that entire week. It was very much a tortoise and the hare situation, David and Goliath. We were the 1981 Mets, about to take on the 27 Yankees. We wanted nothing more than to win this game. The following Sunday, I woke up with butterflies. The sun was out, hanging in a perfectly blue sky. No rain out that day. We gathered at the field before the Avenue Boys toss the ball around and assigned positions I can only recall seven players on that geek squad there was me Joe my cousin Joey V Chris Scott Joey V's friend Anthony and my other cousin David A the Avenue boys showed up looking like a major league team if we were scared though we never went on I recall them making fun of some of our batting stances especially Joe's who was mimicking Lou Piniello with a high raised elbow they laughed until Joe smacked a triple to left leading off the fourth inning the score was 4-1 to one at, the, at that point we had catching up to do I knocked Joe in with a single. Anthony hit a homer in the sixth, and I think Joey V hit one too. The score was probably 6-3 to at that point, but we were holding our own. If this game was played today, it would have been recorded by about a dozen different iPhones. And my memory only can recall some of the details, so I'll avoid flourishing it too much for artistic merit. I think we played 7 innings, and I remember the bottom of the 7th inning. We had 2 on, 2 outs, and we were down by 3 runs. That's me at the plate. I was the tying run. I stood there. Focused as Vinny reared back, lopped that ball up into a high arc. Swing, air, miss, strike one. Okay, I could do this, I can do this. Reared that back, took a couple of practice swings, and focused in on the ball. I watched again as he reared back, tossed the ball up. This one was a bit more down the center. Swing, miss, strike two. All right, this was, I got this. I've seen this on TV a hundred times. I was gonna be one of those heroes at the final end. The final strike was gonna be over the fence. Vinny reared back again. Again, a nice high arc. Swing, crack. That ball went flying in an equally sweet arc. Up and over and over the heads of all the outfielders. past the hot dog guy on the corner. Over the fence onto 114th Street, near Rails Restaurant. We would tie the game. No, that didn't happen. To be totally honest, I, I really don't remember how it ended. All that matters was the final score, it was ten 10-6. That I do remember. Yeah we lost. But all parties agreed it was a respectable score. Even the Ebony boys high-fived us and congratulated us on playing a good tight game. They even said they were surprised how good we were, not sure I needed that compliment or not. But I guess geeks for some reason, like being justified by jocks, must be something in our DNA. Or maybe it was just wife on those stoops and ball fields of Atlantis. There is no language This has been the stoops of Atlantis with Mikey D. Stay tuned for future tales and bizarreness from that ancient land called East Harlem. Check me out on Facebook.